Hi there and welcome to the Emu Inc podcast, which is aimed at educators, parents and sports clubs alike. At Emu Inc, we turn pupils into published authors. We help schools and clubs to record their history and we create publications that bring people together. On this podcast, we will explore the links between schools and sporting communities and the topics that matter and are relevant to both. I'm joined today by our recurring panellist, Fintan McCutcheon, who is the former principal of Balbriggan Educate Together National School, current associate lecturer and published academic in the field of multicultural education. Also here is our guest, Deirdre Doyle, founder of the Cool Food School, food educator and children's cookbook author. Over the coming months, we will have guests from the worlds of education and sport, but not exclusively. We are very excited about what's to come, so we hope you will be too. So today we are going to talk about children and food in the context and loosely really of the current cost of living crisis and how they can play their part in preparing and cooking food in the home and what that does for confidence, as well as helping parents. Deirdre, I'll come to you first, founder of the Cool Food School. Can you tell us a bit about what you do and why? I can indeed, Emer, and thank you so much for having me on today. So yeah, my name is Deirdre. I am first and foremost, I'm a mum of three. So I suppose that is what has kind of informed me to help me set up the business in the first place. I have a background in the food industry and uh, I have a degree in hotel and catering management and I'm a health coach. And I suppose when my kids started to go to school, I, I think primarily because up to that, I think parents have quite a tight control over what our kids eat. But once they start going to school, they see a much broader range of uh, what's available to kids, what other kids are bringing in for their lunches. They have a broader uh, friendship group. And I started to see what, what other kids were eating. And also I started to do a lot of research and learn about, you know, obesity in childhood. One in four children in Ireland are, is overweight or obese. And I was seeing what was available in the shops for the kids. I'm like, why is there a kid's menu? And, and why is it only six things like sausages and chips, you know, burger and chips, pizza, you know, it's so restricted, but yeah, yeah, adults are given everything. Why is that? Why is that? And I was like, there has to be a better way about it. So that's why I set about bringing education, food education to children in a fun and interactive way. And I set up the business. I started off going into preschools. So I love teaching that age group uh, between three and five. Um, they are very responsive to what I teach. I teach it in a very fun informal but interactive way. And then I've also started going into primary schools where we have such an amazing captive audience sitting there. And um, again, everything I do is interactive. So I teach very simple cooking classes that can be taught in a classroom or hall setting with there's no um, kitchen required. So everything is cold generally, but we do a sensory exploration all around the food. So it's not just about here's the tomatoes, here's the bread, put the tomatoes on top of the bread. It's all about, let's have a look inside the tomatoes. What do they look like inside? Does a yellow one smell the same as a red one? And with the different shapes of the tomatoes, I wonder, do they taste differently? When you eat them, do they smell, do they sound different when you eat them? And how would you make a, a loud tomato sound quiet? What would you do to it? So it's all about making the food exciting and interesting and interactive for the kids. And they love it. <laughs> Brilliant. It sounds great. And I love the idea that you start out in preschool because they're, at that age, they're an open book, aren't they? So they're they're ready for anything, you know, and then by the time they get to primary school, like then they've got it in there. As you say, when you go in for a menu, in with a menu and it's like, you know, like that pizza, cocktail sausages, whatever it is, then they think that that, that that's all avail- always the yeah. only thing that's available yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. if you're teaching from that age to be open to you know, dishes with vegetables, tomatoes, look for, you know, healthier stuff on a menu, then that's what they are going to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good. Um, Fintan, as a former principal, 
um, of a school. What um, what did you do or what do, do you see the school system doing to encourage healthy eating yeah. in kids? Well, um, food and cooking comes into school um, in a variety of, of different ways. Um, it is on our curriculum uh, to teach about healthy eating uh, and to also teach about nutrition. So there's the teaching aspect of it. But perhaps, and I'm very interested in what um, Deirdre was saying there, um, school is also a place where children eat together. And also the classroom is a place where children can learn about food um, and about their homes and about their cultural backgrounds uh, from each other as well. Uh, and so there's, um, there's uh, food is present and, and lunches and cooking, etc. Uh, is present throughout the day. Uh, in in schools, um, I would I would suggest that um, the vast majority of schools do um, pay a good bit of attention uh, to you know what it is that the children are bringing into school for their school lunches, and most schools would have a healthy eating lunch policy. Mm-hmm. In schools where um, lunches are provided by the school uh, through the Department of Education sponsored uh, schemes, uh, good attention is given to. Uh, and in fairness to the Department of Education, very good guidelines are given to to the providers on what you know what, that about must be nutritious lunches, and there must be no, well, if you like, traditional rubbish in in it, and uh, and that, and then um, and then schools also would um, uh, in our school, for example, we would have had uh, three or four uh, mobile ovens uh, that that teachers would have taken into into the classrooms. Uh, very often, this would be something as simple as the children would have worked up golden time in order to create a, an opportunity for a lesson uh, or, or some cooking. Sometimes it would be to cook something to have a party and 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 to have a nice hour in the classroom as a reward for something or as a, as a, as just general children's general happiness in the school. Uh, sometimes it would have been more um, concerted efforts to have you know. Um, Cooking and uh, around um, healthy eating, and you know, to, to just as 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 uh, Deirdre was saying there, like you know, show show children how you know how to make a sandwich that might be nutritious, as opposed to a sandwich that might be not so, uh, or treats that can be nutritious and healthy, as opposed to treats that can be full of sugar, etc. And that so. Um, another aspect of the way food comes into school as well can be around concerns around allergies. Uh, and health and safety issues around schools. And then schools are increasingly conscious as well of um, um, also trying to have, if you like, a a concern for food waste uh, and like in in keeping with uh, other other, um, discussions around the climate crisis, etc. and things like that. Like people are very conscious of, um, schools are very conscious to like to... to, um, like look at you know uh, agricultural practices around the world. Um, look at um, production. Look at um, the context of say in Ireland, like beef production, etc., and things like that. And you know to think about you know that what it is that you buy in the supermarket. You know um, um, what it is that we provide at school uh, for lunches, etc. That there isn't waste written into it and, and and also things like fair trade and who gets paid properly for their labour 
uh, and kind of globalization issues around food as well as multicultural issues. So I suppose food comes, food and cooking comes into schools in a variety of ways. That's a huge amount of uh, of considerations for schools, Fintan. Um, and I'll definitely come back to you on some of those points. Um, but you mentioned there food allergies, food waste. Um, Deirdre, when you go into a school, how tell us a little bit about how you approach the school, what you what you offer them, um, and how you take those kind of things into account. Yeah. Um, so. What, uh, what I like to do with children in schools is I like every child to be involved. So everything that I do is interactive. I don't want, I don't do demos. I do interactive classes with the kids. So every child gets to make whatever we're making. That's why the recipes are always very simple. But every child gets to make them and I provide all the equipment. So I have safe knives and safe peelers that I import from Australia that we use in all my classes from age kind of three upwards. And that allows the kids then to chop and peel their own food really safely. So it takes that element of um, danger out of the whole cooking process. So that opens up a whole gamut of things that we can do. So what I would say to teachers is that when I come in, I bring everything with me. I bring all my equipment. I bring all the food. So it's a very straightforward uh, thing for the school. They just need to give me a space. It generally works really well if I'm set up in the hall with access to a sink. Sink is great. Um, but I have done it without sinks. I've done it in fields and everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I do loads of food events like kaleidoscope and electric yeah. picnic and stuff. So I've, they're basically in a field in a tent. Brilliant. Um, but uh, yeah, so in the schools, I would, you know, bring everything in. And we'd agree a timetable and I would try and for the school to get the maximum benefit out of it, we would try and fit in as many classes in that day as we possibly can, obviously taking into account breaks and all that kind of stuff. Um, so the classes would generally run around 30 to 35, 40 minutes. Um, I always like to start the class off with a bit of uh, jumping up and down and running on the spot and screaming. Yeah. So to get the kids all <laughs> energised. <laughs> And yeah, and then we, um, I hand out the ingredients one by one. They don't get all the ingredients at once. We get the ingredients one by one by one so that they can examine each ingredient. And we might smell it. As I said before, we might feel it. I'd get them like we were using apples. I'd get them to um, feel it on their skin. Like, how does it feel? Does Is it hard or soft? Is it wet or cold? You know, if it's hard, how could you make it soft? So for apples, you'd, you know, um, maybe cook them. Or if it's uh, soft, like maybe a bread, how would you make that hard? You know, you toast it. So it's getting them to think about food and how the cooking process changes the way um, the way food is and the way it smells, the way it looks, the way it feels and obviously the way it tastes. So, yeah, so that's kind of the process. Then on, and then I, I clean up afterwards. <laughs> that's, More that's or less. definitely a bonus. Yeah. But um, in terms of sustainability, and that is absolutely a, a pillar of my business, um, I always try and bring in um, reusable plates or um, everything is uh, compostable. And then I would bring home as much as possible, any food waste, I bring it home and put in my compost bin. So that's kind of how like food waste is a massive thing. And and I think Fintan, you're dead right. I think sustainability, children are so engaged in the sustainability issue and I think food is such a massive part of that that I think food education can be dragged along through the sustainability thread so to speak um, and get kids encouraged to look at food from that perspective as opposed to oh, healthy eating or oh, we need to eat this because it's healthy no we need to eat this because it's better for the environment do you know so looking at it from that perspective yeah. um, 
my kids were, we went into Super Value one day and um, now it's nothing to do with Super Value. These are sold everywhere. The Lunchable things, do you know, that have the, the cheese and the, the cheese and the, things, yeah. yeah. And my kids yeah. were like, oh, please, please, please. And I was like, mm, there's a lot of packaging on that. And they're like, oh, you're right, mum. So we didn't buy them. But it wasn't wow. me saying they're not healthy. It was me saying there's a lot of packaging on that. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right, mum. Yeah, we won't buy that. Yeah. So, you know, that's another um, way that's more engaging, I suppose, or more uh, that kids can um, understand better than this whole thing about food being healthy. Like, I don't talk about healthy at all. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, yes. I talk about we and poo and strength and yeah. power. <laughs> I don't talk about foods being healthy because kids don't want to hear that. No, no. And I think it puts uh, maybe other things into their heads as well. Like, you know, what is healthy? It's, you know, is is it weight? Is it, I know my kids like are, they're eight and under and they're at that stage where you're trying to talk to them about too many, like, what is a treat? A treat is something you get once in a while. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you get every day, once or twice a day type thing. And, what you know, I always try and not talk about um not talk about weight at all because I think mm. it's a very dangerous thing to do. But I like that what you talk about in terms of packaging and things because I notice myself when you go in and you're looking for, you know, things that interest them for their lunchboxes. I'm really interested in what you do for lunchboxes and we're going to come to that now <laughs> um, because I'm always like, like that. It's no treats, you know, and they come home and they see what other people have and they're like, you know, it's not fair. Why are we eating apples and raspberries and um, and so then oh, you're God trying love to, them. God love them. I know. <laughs> and it, like, we'll eat them, but can you give us, you know, a treat as well? And I'm like, no, because it's, a, you know, that's, you're not supposed to bring in a healthy lunch. You get your treats when you get your treats. Um, and, uh, but, but you can stray, well, I can, my eyes are straying in the aisles where I see like little packets of breadsticks. And instead of buying a box of breadsticks, know, which yeah, I do I 90% of the time, yeah. But sometimes I'll buy a multi-pack of little packets of breadsticks. And when you say that to me about Lunchables, I'll never buy those again. Because, you know... (laughs) Sorry, Lunchables. (laughs) No, no, Lunchables I don't buy, but the breadsticks in separate packets. Like, you know, and I have done where I'll take them out and put them in separately in the lunchbox. But I think that that, to them, they'll think, oh, this is cool. But actually, it's really wasteful, you know, when you think about it. So, you've you've given me something to think about there. (laughs) Fintan, you've... I might be a little bit old school too, but I still don't think it's any harm for schools and sports clubs, like too, you know, subtly uh, and, uh, but at the same time, forthrightly, you know, put across um, the harm that you know sugar and uh, and 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 uh, uh, products that are highly processed, etc., whatever can can be for uh, for children for them to know that themselves um, and I recall one time uh, you know um, some years ago now whatever but like insisting that the only drink that people should have over the course of the day in the school would be a drink of water yeah. uh, as opposed to you know as opposed to like other fruit juices etc whatever which weren't really fruit juices they were they were yeah, highly yeah, highly yeah. sugared yeah. Um, uh, things and whatever and then for sports clubs as well like you know like you know there's there's so much aimed at children uh, around you know isotonic drinks and you know all these kind of things whatever, as if it's going to make them a better sports person etc yeah. so yeah. I, I, I do feel like you know okay you don't negatise things so much that children become bored with it whatever and that at the same time I think um, knowledge is empowerment and, and for children to know that a lot of what has been marketed at them is actually going to work against them 
in being a good sports person or, you know, um, having a, you know, ha- enjoying the taste of something properly that, you know, rather than being so sugared and salted, etc. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that, I, I don't think that's any harm to. And I do feel that sports clubs and schools can play a role there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I often think, you know, you're talking about the marketing of foods to children. Um, I often think if fruit and vegetable companies had the marketing budget that these processed food brands have, Imagine how amazing the advertising would be. Like, imagine having all the little fruits and vegetables running around and being powerful people and all that. Um, there is a whole, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a whole movement to try and ban junk food advertising to children um, because it's so pervasive. Um, it's run by the Irish Hearth Foundation. And I don't know if you've come across it before. Yeah. So I'm part of that as well. And um, they say that I don't know the figures now, but there's so much junk food advertising to children. Um, it, and it's not just the TV now, it's their games because that's where kids yeah, mm-hmm. consume their um, their TV. But there's a they're trying to put a, a, a ban on it up to a certain time. So, yeah, that's quite frightening when you see that. Just uh, just out of interest, Deirdre, what is your what's your view on treats then? So what are treats and how often would you give your kids treats? OK, that's a very, um, yeah, it's a tricky question. Okay. Um, I do. I I do a lot of um, reading about it. A lot of what dietitians would say now is that we need to take them down off the pedestal that they're on, and that we need to serve them as a normal food because we put them on a pedestal. We're like, no, you can't have it today. You can only have it at this certain time. So then the child thinks that's an that's a magic food. Whereas I see a lot now people serving it at the same time as the main meal. So you get your potato, your um, vegetable, your chicken and your biscuit. So yeah. and then you allow the child to decide when they want to eat it. So there's a whole theory of um, food uh, called the Division of Responsibility and Feeding, which is um, developed by an American feeding guru in the, in the States called Ellen Sater. And she says that parents have the responsibility of um, providing the what, where and when of food. So we provide that's the what where do we provide it do we provide it um, for example in the school lunchbox or do we provide it at the dinner table do we provide it to the children in front of the TV do we do they eat in the car and then the when when do we provide it do we allow them to snack all day or do we only allow them to eat at meal times so that's the parent's responsibility but the child has the responsibility of the whether whether or not they eat it at all and how much how much of it do they eat so if parents follow this and I know people go, oh, because I talk a lot about this on my social media. They go, oh, my God, no, it wouldn't possibly work in my house. But it takes the anxiety away from the table because the parent is not sitting there going, come on, come on, Johnny, eat another two bites, eat another two bites. Or please, 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 you eat this and I'll give you a chocolate biscuit. It takes away all that stress. And also the research shows that if you set the biscuit up as the reward, then they're going to like the broccoli or whatever it is less and the reward more because they're not eating it for the right reason. They're not enjoying the broccoli for the sake of enjoying the broccoli. They're enjoying it purely to get the biscuit. My kids get go out for Halloween. They get like literally pillowcases full of stuff. <laughs> I used to take it off them. I don't do that anymore. Just let them at it. Because they have to, to learn to self-regulate as well. So basically what I do is I don't buy treats. I just don't buy them. So okay. I've, I've made that decision not to buy them. Like I'll buy them occasionally, but they're not something that we would have regularly in the house. I never have. I haven't bought a pack of biscuits in five years, I'd say. Wow. <laughs> Now that's not to say we don't have treats. We do have treats and the kids got loads of stuff at Christmas. I'm like, let them off, let them yeah. eat it whenever they want. But we're, you're trying to demystify that power of 
treat, you know, oh my God, you can only have it on a Sunday after lunch or whatever. Yeah. And make it food. It's food. But, you know, I'd be very conscious of when I serve that then. Yes. So that's that's my, I don't know if that really answers your question. Yeah. It's a bit of a, it's a, it's a very difficult one. As is trying to regulate treats. Like it's the whole, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, You can't not give them treats. I just, I... I like that idea, but I, I'm the same as some of your friends, or, as you say, or your followers, where I'd be like, oh my God, how would I start that? Because I know they'll start, I know they'll start with a the biscuit, then they wouldn't be hungry enough for the for the dinner. But I, I do but think it would that. work. You don't know that. Have you ever done it? Uh, giving them dessert with their dinner? Yeah. No, but I've made the mistake of letting them have a treat too soon before their dinner. So that's where, and you, then that won't. was your when. So you, yeah, gave, that was your when. So if you had given it to them an hour and a half. First of all, it's a treat like a chocolate or sweet. It should never be given independently. It should be given with something else. It should be given okay. as part of um, like with some cheese and a, and a piece of fresh fruit or something like that to make it a more whole. Now I say this, I don't do it. <laughs> it's easy for me to say it, but I, you know, I, well, my kids are older now, so there's, you know, yeah, I know they're, yeah. they're older, but when you, your kids are still younger and you still have kind of a lot more control, um, offering them a biscuit you would always offer them, I would, and all the recommendations are as you would offer it as part of a small meal. So you would maybe give some cheese or something with some protein mm. or healthy fat with it because then it's more filling for the child and they're not coming back looking for a second and a third biscuit. So they've got their biscuit, they've got their bit of cheese, they've got their piece of fruit or whatever. So it's a more whole meal snack, but smaller. Yeah. Um, but try it. But is, it, is that not still, you're giving them the chance to eat the fruit, but what... If they don't, you know what I mean? And they won't go back to it, I don't think. But so what if they don't? That's their choice. Uh, yeah. You're still not getting the fruit into them, though. No, the but you give the them fruit, you offer them fruit in, in another way the next time. But is that not really wasteful then? If the fruit doesn't get eaten and... Well, if the fruit doesn't get eaten, what I would do is I would save that and use it in the smoothie. Or okay. offer it again the next time at the next meal. Which actually brings me to uh, to another question. The involvement of children, because that's one thing my kids absolutely love doing is making smoothies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like sometimes they like a sour one, sometimes like a creamy one, sometimes, you know, like the, it's a really, and you're big into that, dear. Yeah, like yeah. Big into involvement, which is, which is kind of why we touched on the cost of living in a little way as well. Like I notice since working a lot more from home um, since, since COVID, which like the majority of us are, um, and having the kids come in from school. And um, so at the start, it was manic. Absolutely. For everybody, it was manic. They were coming in and you were like jumping off a Zoom call, trying to quickly make a sandwich. Not even getting to think about what you were giving the kids. But like, I mean, ours had like literally ham sandwiches for I don't know how long because it was the quickest <laughs> thing we could get. And like that, give them an apple or whatever. And you're jumping back on a call again and and feeling bad about it, to be honest, because there was no like, I love baking with the kids. Um, but there was no loveliness that I always pictured. My kids were in a crash previously and I yeah. took them out and I was wanting this time. I I know, um, I know. But over time, they've got more now, lately especially. They've started making their own. They're really enjoying it. Like it's a whole thing when they come in from school. What's in the fridge? What are we going to make together? Like they're eight and six. And, um, Isn't that amazing though? It's lovely. And I'm, yeah. I feel really happy now because they're happy. And while they're doing it, I'm finishing my call or finishing my whatever. Then we're sitting together yeah. and having lunch. And it's a totally different thing. So I noticed on uh, on a lot of your uh, socials before Christmas that you were talking, well, when they went back to school first yeah. about 
you know, their own lunchboxes, getting them to make their own lunchboxes. So tell us about that. Like, why why do they do that? What, the, what are the benefits? Well, it's a bit of a no-brainer because it's, 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 it's a small meal. It's very easy for children to make. Um, it's, let's say, I don't know, Fintan, you might know better, but well, it's kind of different in your school because it's desh school, but 80% bring sandwiches in. I don't know if that's a, I just took that uh, um, number off the top of my head. So a sandwich is quite easy for a child to make. Um, and A, it gets them involved in the kitchen. When children make their own food, they eat their own food. And I know that because I see that all the time. Now, they may not eat all of it, but they'll definitely try it. Um, you know, being in the kitchen teaches all sorts of skills to children, you know, from a maths perspective, from an independence perspective, from, you know, weights, measurements, um, all sorts of things like that. They get a great sense of achievement out of it. Um, and, you know, if they're reading from a cookbook, that's their, you know, improving their English their understanding and all and comprehension and all that. Um, so there are so many benefits to children cooking. And if you take that one small meal that children eat every day in school and get them and give them ownership over that, it's it's so it's such a simple way rather than having them come home and help you maybe with the dinner when you're under a bit more pressure, but getting them to do the the lunch um is really powerful. And I really encourage parents to um get their kids involved, but following the division of responsibility and feeding. So you're providing the food. So it's not like they're take, you know, they can go to the press and get a crisp sandwich and bring that into school. No, you're providing their say like so today we're having you can have either tuna, ham or egg. So you decide what you want and you make your sandwich with it. You provide the bread, so the type of bread that you want them to eat. Maybe give them a choice, maybe don't give them a choice. Have have some fruit there, have some other bits and pieces like some vegetable sticks. They can help preparing them or not prepare them, whatever. Um, and since I've started doing that, my children eat their lunches. I would spend hours, well, not hours. OK, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but <laughs> I'd spend, you know, 20 minutes at night, 20 or 30 minutes at night making the three lunches and trying to think of different things to put in all the time and trying to make them exciting. They don't need to be exciting. They don't need to be amazing. They don't, don't need to look amazing. They need to be balanced in terms of a carbohydrate, some form of protein, healthy fat um, and fruits and vegetables if possible. Um, but if, if they'll only eat the one thing in school, that's fine, I think. Um, because when you, they come home, you can give them all, all the variety at home that you want. In school, and I don't know if Fintan, you might agree with this, is that there's a lot going on in, at, at lunchtime. So it's not all necessarily about the food. So, and I've seen it with my own kids. If I give them something that's a bit out of the ordinary, the, the kids in school are making fun of them. And you don't want that either. So I'm happy for them to make their own lunch, make something that they're comfortable with, but something that I've provided that I'm happy for them to eat. And then they eat it. Bing oh. and, and I don't have to make them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it probably what, um, sorry Fintan, I'm going to come to you um, in a second, but... That's in terms of kind of the current climate, I suppose. That's that's what I was thinking, like between the saving on waste um, and then time, because people need time. They need time to work. They need time to do different things. Um, and that kind of helpful aspect is really lovely. And I know if, if I was letting, letting my little boy make his lunch, I think he would be a little bit happier because he's he said to me in the back of the car one day, but why is it always the same contents? 
in my lunchbox. I'm like, it's actually not. But he views it like that. He's like, you know, two fruits, a sandwich or a wrap or, you know what I mean? He yeah, just wants yeah, yeah. to, I'd say, get it at himself. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, there'll be plenty of experiment coming yeah. from me when we leave here. Vinton, sorry, yeah. you would. Well, just, I, 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 I really agree with you there that I think, you know, children's autonomy and, yeah. and, their, and also their voice and also their agency uh, is very, very important with regards to developing healthy uh, healthy food a- attitudes and also with regards to learning yeah. a- as well. Absolutely. Um, and like, so even um, we really welcomed the development there in the last few years was even the companies now that provide school lunches. Yeah. Uh, and increasingly now it's um, these companies are moving into schools where there's no state subsidies. So it's like they're simply going to provide parents with the convenience of being able to have uh, their lunches delivered to, to school. Um, children can still have a good bit of autonomy there. Um, like the, the company that we dealt with last allowed the children to uh, change their menu. Okay. You know, uh, and, and there was a very good, healthy range of choice there, like tuna or ham or egg or cheese yeah. or, yeah. or brown bread or wraps or whatever, or um, a little sliced fruit bag or whatever. That that could be maybe a little piece, of, uh, a little uh, uh, yogurt or something like that instead, whatever. So, so there still there still is room for, for autonomy. And then, you know, the... the, the uh, issue as well isn't like there. There is a certain amount of say food uh, habits associated with various socioeconomic groups as well, whatever and that. But you know the chicken fillet roll from 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 Spar costing X, Y, and Z, whatever. Like which would which would be what a lot of say the perhaps wealthier kids with bad food habits uh, would 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 bring to school, etc. And things like that. That's not a good idea either, you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that. So, and and I found as well now in, in our, like, say, in some of our, um, like, we would have had a diversity of, of culture and religion in, 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 our, in our school. And, like, you know, certainly... Um, uh, some of the minority culture homes, whatever, like there would be fantastic attention given to what children eat yeah. uh, and how much, uh, like, you know, I think uh, very, very sensible uh, things around portion size yeah. and all the mix between carbohydrates and proteins and uh, and, and that. Uh, so I, I, fe- I feel, um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a there's a lot to it, uh, and uh, you know, but above all, I think like getting children to enjoy good food for its own sake, yeah, you know, absolutely. because of the taste of it, you know, uh, and 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 because maybe a good feeling about eating it and and, and that and uh, haven't had some choice in it. I think that's very positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree with you. And it's interesting uh, talking about multicultural um, schools because my children go to a school that is probably not very multicultural. Um, but uh, just, I was just wondering then, Fintan, do they still avail of the dash um, lunches, or do they bring in their own lunches? Yeah, well, like there's a notion that, like, say, you know, I, I can recall when I was in school placement um, back in the seventies and eighties, and it, it was the bun and the milk from the local county council. Yeah, yeah. Provided lunches have come on a long, long way from there, and there is um, diversity in okay, in, okay. in what it is that the. That the um, school, um, the companies that that do it yeah. uh, offer, um, but also like sometimes people like to to uh, add, you know, parents would like to add in an extra piece or two, like in into into yeah. into the into for the children to bring alongside yeah. alongside that and uh, yeah, that. So so yeah, like and and I've always been like I've always been very impressed 
uh, you know, with with the attention to detail and the the love you see for their children yeah, yeah, in yeah, in yeah. the kind of lunches that that have been sent, yeah. perhaps more so than 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 for the for the children who are you know told to you know collect something in spa on your or no, no no disrespect to spa, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> so on, on on your way in or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so. I was just just to add something really quickly to that. Um, one of the things that we do, I've done with my kids in the past, is uh, we've done a round the world cooking adventure. So we've literally we have a world map on the on the wall, and we they close their eyes and they stick their finger on a country, and then we go and research that country, and we come up with some recipes from that country, and we cook some a recipe from that country. Very good. And it is, and I think, you know, in schools, you know, when you're talking about geography, that's an all encompassing then look at a country. We would look at videos then of that country and of their national cuisine and all that. And um, I think that's fascinating for children. And I think it's, I know not everybody's going to be able to cook whatever, a Penang curry or whatever, you know. Um, but if there's children of a certain, from a certain country, in a classroom, maybe mm-hmm. they could bring something in from their country mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. share it with their... It's as important, really, to learn about each other's culture, I think, as it is their history. Like, there needs to be, I think, more yeah. of that um, yeah. included in the in the curriculum too. Fintan, I was going to say to you, <clears throat> excuse me, that earlier on you mentioned a lot of... There's a lot of responsibility on schools when it comes to healthy eating, a lot of boxes to be ticked. Um, and I think it's really interesting talking about the involvement because we published... Uh, cookbooks in schools as well um, and like one particular one I think we had 24 different nationalities in and it was beautiful it was all you know about they were bringing in their mm-hmm. own they're making up some of their own recipes bringing in some mm-hmm. of their family's recipes mm-hmm. and we did them in the home language and uh, and in English and it was really it's just really really inclusive project um, but it got them it got them actually working on it like it like that getting them involved making their own things like they were taking pictures of themselves mm-hmm. at home making their own recipes and things like that do you think that's the way forward for schools like you know is is that a helpful um, you know like Deirdre comes in she gets involved like we're all about helping schools mm-hmm. teachers principals tick boxes on the curriculum as well as give that experience to the kids who are of utmost importance but we help in terms terms of literacy, history, um, like the likes of what Deirdre is doing in schools. Is that something that's needed? Is there, there's an awful lot of responsibility on schools in so many areas. Yes, but food and cooking is something that very naturally comes into the school day. Like like the children do eat together. Yes. They, uh, they discuss food endlessly amongst themselves. Mm. You know, um, uh, they, um, like, you know, if, you, if you're trying to do child inquiry based learning you know if you're if you're trying trying to do discovery learning with, with children if you're trying to do good quality science work in the, in the classroom that's participative and uh, in the infant classrooms like you know um, very often um the ashter program will have um themes and and um like you know one of them like one of the play spaces may well be a kitchen or a restaurant or a whatever so it's something that actually naturally uh, occurs in in yeah. in in the school day so the vast majority of good teachers like would would see food and cooking as an in to many other things like okay. like for a very long time like you know um teaching the process of procedural writing as we call it one of the genres of writing yeah. is achieved by 
you know, like children, like kind of, you know, having to, if you like, write in the correct order, you know, how, how to make a cup of tea or, yes, or yeah, how, yeah. To, how to boil an egg or or um, something like that. You know, uh, often like the, your children will, will by way of writing, design menus for a restaurant that they'd like to, to go to. And, and think. so like it, good, it, yeah. it's, it's long, be, it's long been present. Um, Another way of doing field work with, with children, ever like, and and we would have had the opportunity to do this in in our urban area, area was uh, like to go to like to take the class around Dunn stores or or a big supermarket, and like look at the way you know look at the way um, marketing happens in a, in a big supermarket you know and and, uh, and, and food, food yeah. the, way, the way foods are grouped and and then sometimes to go to what might be like say the the un- more unfamiliar part of the supermarket um, to to the children, like perhaps you know the uh, you know a, a cereals area, and to, you know or or or, or perhaps an, uh, like one that's particularly devised towards a, a minority group who live in the area, you know, and and for somebody from that family or from that background to explain to others, you know, this product, that product that are unfamiliar to 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 the other children, and and and. Like we we would have had a, an Amami store um close to us, and like for the children to go in there, and you know for somebody to take great pride in in naming the unfamiliar vegetables uh, to yeah. the other children, or the, and and the like the 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 couscouses and the various multiple forms of rice, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, and that you know for 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 those like so I, I like the opportunity uh, and indeed even the direction to do so is well established. Yeah. In primary schools, it's just a case sometimes of of perhaps like you know you you we talked earlier about continuous professional development uh, for teachers, yeah. you know like if there if there were good courses that teachers could take on on that you know by way of summer courses or or whatever yeah. and that or, or indeed even in their teacher training and and yeah. and that uh, if there was more on on that and and its potential. Uh, perhaps it might be more present in schools. Yeah, very good. Great to get that insight as well, Fintan. Um, we're going to have to wrap up shortly, um, but I want to talk to you, Deirdre, about your cookbook. And also, uh, on Fintan's point there, do you do, have you got a summer course? Because I think that would be a really, a really good one for the teachers to help them. Are, you, are, are there any in the plans? I have done some CPD. CPD? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> training with teachers in the past through Airfield Estate. Um, currently, I have no plans at the moment. Okay. I am my, my. I don't know if I should say it out loud, but my short term, short to long term goal is to open a bricks and mortar building Brilliant. and um, cook school, cooking school. And um, definitely, so, so the seed of uh, interest there now in my head, that that's, that's one of the things we could do is do some CPD yeah. <laughs> teachers, um, you know, during those summer months during June, it, uh, yeah. primarily, isn't it? It'd be a really good one. But in the meantime, they can pick up your book. So tell us a little bit about that before we go. Yeah. So my cookbook is called Chop, Cook, Yum. It was published last year now, because in 2022, um, with O'Brien Press. And it came about because, well, because of the space I'm in, I, you know, it was an obvious next thing to, for me to do is to um, write a children's cookbook. And I was very lucky to be in the right time at the right place, right place at the right time. Um, and yeah, so I worked with O'Brien's. It, we made contact just in 2022, in January 2022, just before lockdown. So um, it was one of my lockdown projects. So that kind of worked well because, you know, I'd a bit, I was at home anyway, sure, what else would I be doing? And a lot of the recipes in it are ones that I actually, I did a lot of online cooking classes with kids over lockdown. So a lot of the recipes are ones that have 
gone through that whole process of um, so I've seen kids make them. I've made them with kids online. A lot of them are ones I make at home all the time as well anyway. And um, and they're graded. Uh, I've kind of three characters in my business, Ali, Molly and Chuck. And they're different ages. So Chuck is the youngest. He's about six. He's based on my youngest child. Um, and it goes and then Ollie is about 11 and a half. So the recipes are graded depending on the ages. Very good. To make it kind of clear for kids to know which ones they should go to first. And they're all color coded and everything. Um, it's written in a very simple language so that kids can um, kids can understand it. And it's kind of quite some of the reading in it is is quite intense because some of the recipes are quite long because I wanted it to be very clear to the kids exactly what they needed to do in each step. But there's not that many of those very long recipes and they're for the older kids. But a lot of them are very, very simple. And like there's a, there's a brilliant one um, and it's something that I've actually made in schools is like an egg and a banana mashed up. That's basically it. That makes a pancake batter. So the kids would, would mash up their, their egg and their banana and then I would fry them off for them. Really simple. Very good. But like any any child can do that, like yeah. from age kind of three upwards, they can mash mash a banana and whisk up an egg and throw them together. Now, obviously, they wouldn't be able to fry them, but yeah. Um, but at home, they'd have the same yeah uh, help. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's delicious. Chop, Very cook, good. Uh, so, if people want to get their hands on it, it's Chop Cook Yum, and where do they go? Yeah, well, it's available in all good bookstores and also on my website www.thecoolfoodschool.ie Perfect. Right, well we've come to the end of this episode of the Emu Inc podcast and I would like to thank both Deirdre and Finton for being here. Uh, it's been a really interesting episode so hopefully everybody at home enjoyed it too. If you want to find out more about what we are up to at Emu Inc follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Emu Publishing. Rate, review and subscribe to our podcast and log on to emuinc.ie for more information. Thanks again and see you next time. <laughs>